So they would, let's just talk about spiritual experiences. But really, you know, if you look at the recovery program, Steps 12 says, after having a spiritual awakening, it's much different than an experience. Yeah. Experience is something that comes and goes. And you can have tons of what you would call spiritual experiences, because what is a spiritual experience except an experience that you call a spiritual experience? Yeah? How there's, no, there's no category of experiences called spiritual. It's whoever thinks they're having it is the one that's giving it the meaning. But let's say, okay, you have a lot of spiritual experiences, but it doesn't necessarily, actually I don't believe it does, it never doesn't equate to a spiritual awakening. <clears throat> and spiritual experiences won't produce a spiritual awakening because the spiritual awakening isn't produced, yeah? It's waking up to a, an already stable fact. You're just not aware of, yeah? Something is distracting you sufficiently that something that's really obvious doesn't seem to be so, you know, which is, a, let's say, a spiritual condition or consciousness or awareness or beingness. So it's not like you have experiences that produce the state. Or, or the awakened state, because it's not a, a produced state. Yeah, it's an available state. But if you're up up the ass of self, let's say, if you're obsessed with self, then that availability won't even be noticed. Yeah, because you're pretty much beholden to the uh, obsession with self. You don't have any. You can't even entertain anything else. And if you do entertain something else, you entertain it from the point of view of being a self, which isn't going to work in that condition. You know that state. So, but a, a spiritual awakening, when you realize something that was already so, of course it's going to start influencing what you call experiences, and then you will have a lot of quote-unquote spiritual experiences, yes? Because the spirituality of an experience isn't coming from what you're doing, it's from coming from here, yeah? In other words, you're giving it all the meaning it has, so if your if your mental condition has been diminished sufficiently, like, and what is a, like alcoholism or self-centeredness is a mental condition. Yeah, you're really obsessed or very overly concerned about a mental idea of who you are, yeah, and a mental interpretation of how things are and how they were and how they will be. So it's pretty much a totally hundred percent mental state. So when that mental state diminishes sufficiently, then a state that's available becomes obvious, yeah? Because you're conscious, yeah? So there's consciousness, but it's what you're conscious of. So if you're conscious of the thoughts and, and, and conscious that they're implying that there's a you who's having those thoughts, that produces a sense of being unconscious to the nature of things, yeah? You're not aware of the awareness. You're aware of the thoughts and that awareness of the thoughts about you sort of causes you to almost be unconscious here. You can't be unconscious, but it, can, it seems like you're unconscious. So it's never, so if I, if there's a spiritual awakening or a realization of that state, then that state will start having an influence in my experiences. And so you'll have, you'll, most, a lot of your experiences will be quote unquote spiritual because it will be the quote unquote spiritual condition that will be dominating the experience, yeah? Because you give it everything the meaning, all the meaning it has. So, a lot of, you know, if you can run after spiritual experiences and you can actually think it's almost another addiction called spiritual seeking, yeah? You're running after spiritual experiences and peak moments and spiritual highs with the hopes that they'll stabilize, but they don't because they're defined by the experience, which is a beginning, middle, and an end. Yeah? 
It can't turn into a state. It's an experience. But a state can influence, can influence experience. It's sort of like, there's the camera taking one picture, but the setting will affect all the pictures the camera takes. Yeah? If you have the right setting on, the pictures will become clearer and clearer. All of them. There won't just be one clear picture, and then the others are all dim and dirty or, or vague and not, not clear. But if the setting is, in a sense, correct, then all the pictures are clear. Yeah. That would be like a state based on an experience. Yeah. So the state would be the setting has shifted. So you've come out of self-centeredness, and let's say now you're in more of a centeredness. Yeah. They're both centered. They're both uh, a sense of being centered, but one is in a, a mental idea called self, and the other is just in what maybe you are, yeah? which is very expansive. And so your, your attention and interest when it's about self is very tunnel vision. When it's just centered, it's very diffuse. Yeah? And that's what you actually feel. You feel your own consciousness or the consciousness. You sense the presence of it when it's not so constricted into one idea of being Paul. You know? It diffuses and you sense the presence of that. Yeah, so it's really cool. So we had a whole lot of that, you know, in Toronto. So sitting there, and uh, man, first of all, it's a four-day event, so it does cook. There's time involved. So by Sunday afternoon or Monday, it's pretty cooked. You know? <laughs> Everyone that wasn't sensing something is sensing it now. It wasn't like they uh, concentrated more, or they were, or they were more willing. There was just an obvious. Uh, flavor or an atmosphere there, yeah. which is so easily recognized. Well, it's past being recognized. You sense it, and it's so. You know, there's no. Oh, I can sense that. While you're censoring, the the drive to want to have to to want to sense it is dismissed because you're sort of in it. It's sort of like I don't want to be in the. Usually, the wanting to be in the water is when I'm not in the water. You know. I have a wanting to be in the water because I'm not in the water. When I'm in the water, it's not a wanting to be in the water. It's being in the water. It's a lot different. It's, <laughs> it's really a lot different. So, so uh, well, there you have it, actually. It's the talk, I guess. <laughs> we'll have it, but we have visitors, so we'll draw it out. You know, draw it out. <coughs> We can make, throw 20 minutes of meditation into it, fill make it draw out, but no, we won't do that. So what I always go to is just this idea, because if it's true, like the Course in Miracles uh, presents, which is you and I are giving everything all the meaning it has, if you could just sit there and sense how, uh, how huge that statement is, that you're like, like I say in physics, the biggest influence of any experiment is the observer of it, yeah? So, the biggest influence of any event is the one who thinks they're in the event. You and I are really giving everything all the meaning it has. And right now, most of what, we're, what meaning we're giving is from self-centeredness, yeah? And so, self-centeredness, that meaning, first of all, it isn't that it's pretty rote and pretty thematic. It's always drenched in time. So, let's say if you're in a situation and you're not feeling well, 
the meaning you'll give okayness is that I once had it, and I will, and maybe I will have it, but it's very rarely that it's already so. Yeah? I'm not really sensing I'm okay, but the hope is that I was once okay, therefore maybe I will be okay. Yeah? So everything in selfing usually has time involved in it. So it's not an immediate sense of anything. It's a progressive act or actions, usually as you're the one doing it, that leads you to a, a condition. Yeah? But once again, if there's already a prior condition in place, any taking a path to be led to it would be pointless. It wouldn't. If you are already what you're seeking, then taking a path to find that would be pointless. Because you would be affirming that you are not what you're seeking, and that would just fuel the looking for. You know, Like St. Francis says so beautifully, what's looking is what you're looking for. Whenever at any moment there's what's looking going on, it doesn't say who's looking, it says what's looking. Yeah? What's looking right now? In my in the mental condition, it's who's looking. Yeah? That's actually the, the act of blindness in a way, but what's looking is a corrective measure. So what's looking is, I would say, the same thing as what's looking every, out of everyone's little camera location right now. Yeah? And therefore, we're looking for that. All of us are looking for that which is looking. Yeah? But we already believe we know what's looking, which is it's Paul or Deb or Mary or Steve, yes? So we start on a premise of having knowledge about something we have no idea of. So we say, okay, it's Paul that's looking. And of course, your ideas about Paul, you definitely aren't looking for that. <laughs> You're busy looking for something other than that. That's what's driving you to start looking, isn't it? Is like the irritable restlessness and discontent of the seeming basic state of being Paul or Andres or whatever. You're now busily looking to improve that. But it's not, he's saying such a beautiful statement. What's looking? No matter what condition you're in, no matter, no matter what situation, he's not putting any requirements or conditions on it. It isn't saying what's looking when you're at the retreat is what you're looking for, or when you're really feeling great is what you're looking for. It doesn't put any statement, anything that puts a condition on it. It just says basic fact, what's looking is what you're looking for. Yeah. Because no matter what conditions and circumstances, the conditions and circumstances aren't changing what's looking. They may be changing who's looking. Yeah, You may go through great changes or feel so different by doing something here, yeah, the who's looking will change based on the circumstances and situations. So you could say who's looking is totally conditional on how things are going, in a lot of ways. But what's looking isn't conditional by how things are going. What's looking outshines circumstances and situations. You and I either try to fit ourselves around them or, they, or we try to fit them around us. But what's looking has an immunity to it all. It's just looking, just seeing, just seeing, just seeing. It doesn't matter if it's seeing something that you would say not, it isn't good, it doesn't mean it turns away. And if, you, and if you're seeing something that's really great, it doesn't mean it starts staring. It's just looking, yeah? just seeing, like an uninterrupted seeing. So in that state, what is that but the most reliable event of the whole time? Every day, all your experiences must be brought to you by seeing. Yeah? You wouldn't know you were feeling bad unless there was an awareness of it. 
You wouldn't know anything unless there was a light to know it in. The mind wouldn't recognize, the conditional mind wouldn't sense or recognize anything unless the light was already provided. Yeah? It would never even find the object of obsession, the mental object of obsession called selfing or self if there was no light there. So the seeing precedes everything. Why would we want to stop at something that can be seen instead of just letting it go back farther and go to the farthest point you can go? And maybe that farthest point you can go is more apt to be called you than what's being seen. I would say maybe we're the seeing instead of what's being seen. What's being thought about. I don't know, maybe. Why not, instead of stopping always at the mental idea, okay, this is where everything starts, I'm the Alpha and Omega, I'm the doer, I'm the haver, I'm actually the one who's conscious. I'm the one who's seeing, I'm the one who's feeling, I'm the one who's tasting, I'm the one who's touching, I'm the one who's smelling, I wish, I can't even smell so, but, you know, that's where the mental, that's where it puts its little stop sign, and it says, no further need to look any farther. This is where you start, you're the doer, you're the thinker, you're the feeler, you're the seer, you're the hearer, all like that. But if you really look at it, what's seeing, yeah, what's seeing, is it you? Or is there just seeing, yeah? Or is there just feeling, or is there just hearing? Or is that just tasting? And can you taste what's tasting? Can you see what's seeing? Can you hear what's hearing? Can you actually hear it, what's hearing? Can you feel what's feeling? Now, we think this is what's doing it. I can feel this. I can see this. I look in a mirror. I can taste it. I can smell it, unfortunately, sometimes. Yeah? This is an object, in a way. This can be noticed. But what's noticing it can't be noticed. Yeah? What's truly seen can't be seen. That's how you know it's seen. Because it can't be observed. It can't be recognized. Because it is the recognition of everything else. But it can't be recognized. It's not an object, it's not a thing. It's not a doer, it's not a haver. I don't know what it is, but the way I find to go to it, in a sense, or to open up to it, is to realize what it's not. So when all the stuff that's happening here, all of the thoughts just happening, and then the mental process gives them one little name, they're my thoughts, I'm the thinker of them. Then the thought now is used, every one of them, consciously or unconsciously, is used by the mental process to point to this vague sense of being the thinker. Yeah? Every feeling that's noted in the body is used by calling it my feeling to point to the one who's having the feeling. Yeah? And the mental process tells you who that one is. It's you. And you don't deserve something, or you'll never be loved, and it has a huge freaking story about the you. Yeah? Yeah. Every thought... A thought's a thought, but then it's my thought. That thought is now pointing to me, the thinker. Yeah? What does that do? This is where you give everything the meaning it has. The thought is a thought, yeah? But when you claim it to be your thought, the mind gives meaning to it. Yeah? 
You see it, just watch, so simply. Let's say you have a girlfriend or a boyfriend you go out with. Yeah. Everything's, having, everything's going pretty well. You go to the movies, you're not expecting much. You're just having a great, great time, you know. Everything's chilled and relaxed. And, you, and the base, really the big thing is not that much expectation. Yeah? You don't think you deserve anything more. It's just nice to have, have some company. Then one night she turns, or he turns into my boyfriend or girlfriend. Everything changes. Yeah? She has a different meaning to me now. I own her in a sense. Yeah? She's mine. And that gives me permission to, let's say, go into emails and see who she's communicating to. Because I think it's important that I know who my girlfriend is talking to when she's not with me. Maybe I go park in front of her house and see if she has any other visitors instead of me visiting my girlfriend. Now, when she was the girlfriend, that didn't come up at all. Yeah, The same person, same situations, but the feeling has changed because I think that she's mine. That's exactly it. We're mostly feeling after that. We're not even in the state of girlfriend, my girlfriend with thoughts. They're always have been mine. Yeah? We're not in the state of feelings, of feelings and my feelings. We don't remember what it was like just to have feelings. Yeah? We've been in a very long engagement with feelings as being the one who was having them. We've been in a very long engagement with thoughts as the thinker of them. Yeah? We're taking stuff that would be so insane sometimes if you, if you could compare it when you just had feelings and just thoughts. We forgot. Like when we were kids. Yeah. When we just had feelings and thoughts. Where that sense of being a thinker hadn't settled in yet. Or the feeler hadn't settled in yet. So a thought would come, you'd flip out as a kid, and then 30 seconds later you'd be smiling and laughing. Yeah? Not much of a story would be written about it. Because the story doesn't come from the feeling. Nor does it come from the thought. It comes from the mind. The mind is the bridge from all the stories, all the stuff of all the stories that could ever be told in your narration are blatantly just hanging there. And the mind is the bridge for them to download. And you and I are providing that. Yes? By our identification as being a self. We don't have feelings anymore. They're always ours, yeah? Thoughts, forget about it. They're our thoughts, yeah? Time, forget about it. It's my time. I don't have any fucking time for you. It's my time. I have to spend it wisely. Sorry, but... <laughs> yes? The difference is huge. You don't think... Let's say if it was one thought, and it was only one time it was my thought. Yeah? Maybe it wouldn't show much of an impression. But let's say 70,000 thoughts. Let's say maybe a 2,000 of those 70,000 are somewhat conscious. 2,000 of them preceded by mine. Hundreds of feelings during the day preceded by mine. Yeah? Thoughts about time preceded by my time. Thoughts about the past preceded by my past. Thoughts about a future is preceded by my future. You don't see the difference? The weight is unbelievable. The differential in weight of a life that's seen as happening or if it's happening to me is huge. It is huge. And you may not know it until you get relief from a life happening to you and you get a nice segment of just seeing life happening and then you'll know the problem by your, the relief from it. You'll realize how much influence it has when the influence starts waning. Just like you know gravity, the effects of gravity, if you ever went into an anti-gravity tank, you have no idea the feeling of being under gravity because you're always under gravity's influence. Yeah? When you're under the influence of selfing and you, it's, it makes, 
It, and you have, you believe you're a solid, real, separate self, then in that condition, you're always under the influence of selfing. But if you get relief from it, then you know it. You know it by the, by the solution. Just like when someone's sick, like sinus, sinus, chronic sinus problems. The only way you would really know it, how bad it was, is when you get relief. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. That was kicking my head in. Yeah? But you can't afford to entertain that when it's kicking your head in. Yeah? You can't tell the truth about it when it's actually happening. But when you get relief from it, then the truth gets revealed. Yeah? And with the selfing, to me, it was just a simple, simple start. I entertained the possibility that I'm not the thinker. It wasn't even, even difficult to get to. Because I had spent months in recovery and I was listening to people because... I never was with many, many people all the time, yeah? And the people I was with weren't really sharing their thoughts, their feelings, and their reactions. They were sharing their highs and their resentments to others and their anger and shit like that. So here I come into recovery meetings and everyone's sharing their thoughts, their feelings, and their reactions to life. And after a while, I had to come to two conclusions. How, did he, how does Marvin have my thoughts, you know? Especially this guy in India in the evening. How does this guy in India have my thoughts? How does he have my feelings? Because he's describing how I feel really well. And he's saying it's him feeling it. And he's describing how I think incredibly well. And he's saying that's how he thinks. And he's describing things he did in life that were pretty damn crazy. And I did the same thing. So there was a big leap one day when I realized they're not my thoughts. They're not my feelings. They're not my reactions. You know what they are? They're alcoholic thoughts. They're alcoholic reactions. Yes? And it isn't, it doesn't mean the thoughts are alcoholic. It's the alcoholism infecting the thoughts through the mind. It doesn't mean the feelings are alcoholic. It's the alcoholism infected the feelings because they were my feelings. Yeah? The same thing with the actions. They weren't alcoholic actions. They were infected with alcoholism because of the claiming of the action of me being the one who did it. Yes? I gave the possibility of self to express itself into life. Yeah? By, by, by being taken over the parasite of alcoholism and then thinking I was the one who was doing it. I was having these thoughts when they were generated by alcoholism. You see? How come you and I can have the same thoughts Quite a lot. Very similar. We must... There's no way you could have the same thoughts as me if they were both mine and yours. Yeah, There has to be something else that's more dominant than us individually. And let's say it's the parasite of alcoholism. So alcoholism has all these hosts. One parasite has all the hosts. And you, want it, and you don't even have to use alcoholism. Self-centeredness. It's a parasitical mental condition. It has all of these hosts. And so it uses all these hosts to manifest in myriad ways through them. Yeah? Through them. Like it says so beautifully in recovery, being convinced that self manifested in all these ways is what has defeated us. Yeah? He separates the two, which is beautiful. Then he says, if you're convinced of this, we're now going to look at its common manifestations, self. And the first paragraph, it's resentment. So most people think the resentments they're dealing with are their resentments. That's the first mistake. Yeah? Because now you're claiming the expression of self as yours. 
that's called being identified as self. Yeah? That to me is the root of the active problem of alcoholism. And it's also the root of the active problem called self-centeredness. Yeah? We're identified with a system of thoughts, expressions that are moving through us. Why? Because we're identified. And we doubly show that identification by saying every one of the self-expressions are ours. I'm the one. Yeah? How are you going to be free from something that you're identified as? Tell me. How? I know how some people try to. They shot themselves in the head. They couldn't separate what was driving them crazy and maybe what they were. They took what was driving them crazy to be themselves, yeah? So the whole package had to go to get relief from it. It got to such a point, they were, and they don't shoot themselves in the elbow or in the knee. They shoot here, usually, because that's what they want peace from. That the elbow isn't troubling them that much. Yeah, Maybe their knees have arthritis, but it's not driving them to suicide usually. It's this yapping going on incessantly. Yeah, What would happen if you could entertain, hey, I might not be that. I might not be that which is driving me crazy. Yeah? What, could you, what would happen next? You would be able to entertain the possibility, if I'm not that, I can be free of it. Just like you entertain the possibility, if I am that, the best I can do is get therapy for it. Yeah? If I'm identified as it, the best I can do is work on it. And hopefully it won't ruin my next picnic I go to. Or maybe I'll get a three-month-long relationship once, you know? Or whatever. I'll, just the idea of success will be very meager. Yeah? Or we'll be having to get therapy all the time because we can't entertain being free from it. We can only entertain being free as it. Yeah? That's not freedom. Your pursuit of freedom as it is another form of bondage to self. But as soon as, as, soon as I saw that just possibly, possibly I may not be that, yeah, that little foot got in the door and some light came in and that light just increased the possibility that I was on the right track, and so I just kept entertaining. Hey, I may not be that. So I started to, instead of watching the leap right into these thoughts of mine, I just saw them as thoughts, yeah? And try to keep that sit. And then they started revealing quite a lot to me. They started revealing that the thought isn't that heavy, and it doesn't have the ability to sway me into obedience. It's the mind that causes it to sway me so easily, yeah? Because then I realized it ain't the thought at all. The same thought happening in your head, yes, has no effect on my head. Yeah? When you talk to me about what's driving you crazy, it doesn't drive me crazy. It only drives me crazy when I hold it the same way you're holding it, when it's driving you crazy, which this is about me or they're my thoughts. Yeah? Yeah? When a thought drives you crazy, it has to have the same conditions in the mind as when a thought drives me crazy. It either has to be about you or someone else that you think is important, or that you were the thinker of it. Yeah? Without that, the thought doesn't have the ability to drive you anywhere. Have the same thoughts, you talk to me about them, I have total immunity. No matter how flipped out you are, you can sit right next to me. We can even be touching skin to skin, and it won't, it won't transfer. Yeah, I won't pick it up. It's not contagious. 
Yeah? Because I'm very clear it's not about me. Yeah? But the same thoughts, if, if they're happening in my head and they're held the same way, this is about me, or I'm the thinker of it, it, they have a huge amount of power. Where does the power come from? If it's not from the thought, then it must be the belief of the thinker that's giving it all the power. Yeah? Where else does the power come from? If it's not from the thought that we're saying, this, these thoughts are driving me crazy, is totally off to me. The thoughts aren't driving you crazy. It's the you that can be driven crazy. The thought doesn't have the ability to drive me crazy. They're given the ability to drive me crazy when I'm seeing them in a, in a certain way. I'm the thinker of them or they're about me. Yeah? If I had the thoughts going on in your head and they underneath it said, these are not your thoughts, be very clear, these are not your thoughts, I would have an immunity to where they usually would take me. Yeah? So obviously the thoughts can't go, suck me in. I must be, in a sense, blowing the power into the thoughts. The thoughts aren't sucking the attention and interest out of me. I'm blowing the interest and attention into them. Yeah. We got it wrong. We think they're huffing and puffing, but we're, in a sense. It's not us, it's the mind. Yeah? But the mind has to have what we may vaguely call us, this energy, this power to believe, this, this ability to have faith, the awareness, the consciousness that we represent. It needs that juice to make it seem real. It can't be real. It can only appear real. And we have to give, it, it give, we have to give the thoughts their reality. We have to blow it into them. Yeah? For something to have a huge impact, there has to be a you there to have the impact on. You are the impact. Yeah. How could it not be? This today, I'm not just not a bottle, let's just say it's something. Yeah. Okay, let's say, and today I'm not feeling good. So today, this uh, looks like a problem, yeah? The next day I'm feeling good, it doesn't look like a problem. The next day I'm feeling really good, or don't, I'm not feeling good, it looks like a problem. Tell me what it is. Is it a problem, or isn't it a problem? It has appeared to be both, so in a fact it must be neither. If it, had the, if it had the real quality of being a problem, that would be its quality. Yeah? If being a problem had a real innate quality, then it would be a problem. And if not being a problem had an innate quality, then it would not be a problem. And never the twain should mix. Yeah? But, it seems to be a problem, it seems not to be a problem, and then it seems to be a problem. There's no point it ever leaves the realm of seeming, which it means it appears to be true or false to you. Yeah? So if something appears to be true or false to me, who's playing the biggest role in the event? The something... Or the me it's appearing to be true or false to? Is it the something or the me that it's appearing to be true or false to? Is it the something that can appear to be true or false? Or it's what's giving it the meaning that it appears to be true or false? So which, can, which would be better to spend any attention on to change or to affect? Do you want to affect which, a thing that's always affected? 
Or do you want to affect that's giving meaning? Yeah? Do you want to go to the root of where the meaning is coming from instead of trying to change the meaning that's already been placed on that thing? Yeah? Why not change the meaning giver? Yeah? If the meaning giver was changed, then everything it would come in contact with would probably reveal or show up a a new meaning. Yeah? So in a sense... Here I am traveling heavy and I'm blaming all these things that are happening in my life for the reason why. But basically I would say I'm the source of the traveling heavy, which I'm lending it to all these things. So if I look this way and this shifts, what happens? Just like they say in recovery, you know, you have an aunt or an uncle that drove you crazy. Then two years into the age, suddenly they change dramatically. But the aunt and uncle didn't change dramatically, did they? Your view of them changed dramatically. Yeah? Yeah? Your view changed. If there's one experience that that's the case, don't you see the principle of it? That you and I give everything all the meaning it has at all times. There's not just only an out like three hours every Wednesday that we do it. All day, every day, this apparatus is giving everything all the meaning it has. Now, where does the meaning come from? It comes through the apparatus, but I would say it comes from mind, yeah? Okay. So is there what if so let's say you have alcoholism, which is a subdivision of self-centeredness, and then you go to a meeting where other people have alcoholism as a subdivision of self-centeredness, and then they share what they think their thoughts are and their feelings and their reactions, but they're actually coming from self-centeredness infected with alcoholism, yeah? And after a while you realize these aren't my thoughts, my feelings, and my reactions like they're coming from this one parasite that seems to have sway over all these hosts. Now you're on to something. Because at that point of engagement, the possibility of a disengagement with that system is there. We have them all the time. They're called pauses in life. Where there's a disengagement from the system. For maybe eight seconds or for an hour, or if, it's, if it has, let's say, more length and more depth, it would be called an epiphany. But then there's something occurs where there's a pause, yeah? And our allegiance, our allegiance to the self-centeredness is, is neutered or neutralized. And at that point, you're inherently totally free, yeah? Now, time beckons you to forget the pause and get back into the selfing, but if you can just stay in the pause, you start having immunity to that pull, and now your life is rooted in a sense of timelessness, which is the only reliability there is in a place that has time. Then you find... then. The mind, instead of being agitated and constantly moved, even when it arrives at what it thinks it's been working for for three years, you you say, I've been working, meditating 12 hours a day, and I want to get to that moment of peace, and then you seem to skirt that moment of peace, what does the head do? Oh, i got to go make lunch or something. There's no, it never lands. It says it wants to land, yeah, and it has a really long tarmac, and it's pulling in, but it hits the tarmac, and then it just takes off again. (laughs) its destination is the seeking its destination is never finding or finding a lot because you can't be found what you are you are Yeah. see it you watch the mind it reveals five minutes of mind seen will reveal its whole theme five minutes 
Five minutes of a daily narrative. Five minutes if observed or seen, let's see, in a certain pause or a neutrality where you're not bored at hook, line, and sinker, you're seeing it, that will reveal it from the nose to the tail of the whole beast. Yeah? You don't need tons of... Like in recovery, how many times people, they don't have the ability to be convinced. They're constantly, constantly doubting the, the grace and the availability of surety in, in recovery. They're constantly, constantly, constantly putting up that sureness against the, the doubt of time and circumstances and situations. And yet, let's say if you have been in alcoholism in your life, and then this power has demonstrated in the biggest part of your whole life being under the throes of alcoholism and then relieving you from it, yeah? And yet still that's not enough of a demonstration. To see that you've come into the, to, into the sphere of a power that's much greater than selfing. Yeah? It's already demonstrated. It just put a giant stop to what could not be stopped seemingly before. Your alcoholism. Yet it's usually not enough. I would need more proof. You know, get me a girlfriend or I gotta get a better job. It's on and on and on and on like a, like a list of Santa we send all day. But I'll tell you, one five-minute snippet shows you the whole thing. Check it out. It's all about time. Yes? It's all about you. (laughs) And it's all about you moving through time to get something. Yeah? (laughs) Special right and to be alone. (laughs) Usually. (laughs) You're not looking to be alone, but that's how it turns out if you have a drive to be special and right. (laughs) You usually end up alone. (laughs) So if you see it, if you see it once, 10, 20, 30 times, and usually most of the attention is on the thoughts that are being seen, but maybe just once the attention is on the scene, you know? And then you actually, in this manifestation, you really sense what's actually living here. Not the story of you, not the wuzzing and the willing of you, because that's what the mind does. It wuzzes about you and it wills about you to remember you. Yeah? Because what isn't so has to be remembered. What is so needs no memory. Yeah? It's, it's a pulse. You don't have to remember the last pulse because the next pulse is there. Yeah? But what's not so, because it's not so, has to be remembered to appear to be so. So you have to be thought about. <laughs> And for some, incessantly. <laughs> yeah. When I think about myself in the past, how do, where, when does it happen now, right? Yeah. So thinking about myself in the past, I'm pictured as a body. Look at your thought system, how it pictures you. It pictures you as a body. Yeah. When it says you, that's what it means. What was I doing in the past? You picture what the body was doing, right? So, the you represents the body. So, it pictures you in the past, but it's only happening now, yeah? So that it can remember you now. So, in the remembering of you now, you'll forget what you are. And so the antidote, like St. Francis says, it's in self-forgetting that you're reborn, so to speak. So, 
because we're constantly remembering ourselves, then the antidote would be to forget oneself. So you hear this great old Zen master say, hey, the study of Buddhism is to study the self. And to study the self, what happens is to forget the self. Yeah? Why is it so important to forget the self? Because it's being remembered all the time. Yeah? It doesn't say kill the self or extinguish the self because there's no self to kill or extinguish. It's being remembered. That's the self. The self, the closest it can get to be something is to be remembered of being someone and then it remembers by thinking what I will be. So it thinks what it was, yeah? So it goes, I was, I was there, I will be there, therefore I am here. Basically, that's its logic, yeah? I was there, so it goes and talks about all these things that it did in the past, and then it worries about what's going to happen to it in the future. So I was there, I will be there, and therefore, this is this logic, I am here. Yeah? Check it out. Right now, which is what I am, this now, not a person in it, but the now itself, you know, the mind, the moment. So here I am. In this moment, the mind is thinking about me as a mental object somewhere else, at some other time, so that it can remember me, not back then, but now. Yeah? And I'm worried about what's going to happen to me. What's going to happen to me? Let's say, in, in, indirectly, I'm worried about the car which indirectly connects to me. Yeah, because it's what? My car. So, what's going to happen to the car next week? Yeah? So, I'm using the car, because it's mine, to remember me. Yeah, you see? So, all day I'm remembering me, and when I'm remembering me, I forget what I am. Yeah. So, obviously, it would sound like pretty cool to, if I, if I would stop remembering who I'm not, then I would probably, yeah, know who I am. Not remember it, because it's already so. I would be it, yeah? And if I'm it, and it is being, then do I need to do anything else to verify it? I don't have to conjure it up in the past or the future. I don't have to remember it by worrying or by recollection. I can just sense the being of it, because it is happening. My mental life is, I was happening and I will be happening, but it's not engaged in the happening. Yeah? Well, just watch what happens. Entertain it, see. Maybe you'll get rooted in something that's rootable, you know, something that's reliable. This present. Yeah. You can't pull yourself here, the self. Because when you pull the self here and you want to be in the moment, it's just bring, it's just there and then. You're bringing so much of the past and so much of the future, yeah? You can't, you can't exclude it. The idea of being you can't be brought up here without that. You know? Because that's how it's remembered. So, in this, oh, thank you, honey. Thank you. All right, the sun, bring me up. <laughs> so here, remembering, yes? Remembering, 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 remembering. Remembering, remembering, remembering. So this brings the idea of me here, and then the idea of what I am gets forgotten, yeah? Yes? And then now we're trying to find ourselves in the moment, but you can't find the self in the moment.
It's of time. It's being remembered. But there is an example or a demonstration of what you are right now, and you can feel the pulse of it. It's called beingness. It's on, and there's a presence. Yes? It's not a past and a willing or a futurist. It's a presence. Because that's the only availability there is. You can be so up into the selfing and absorbed in the past and future, but it can only happen now. Every mental opportunity and condition and imagination and tangent can never escape the nowness of this place. All it can do is cause confusion about it. Yeah? If your attention and interest is glued to the travelings of the past and the future because they're about you, and you're identified as that you, then what's so will not seem to be. And then you'll fall for things like, I'm going to read a book and get and learn how to be in the moment. Yeah, As if you could be out of the moment. You couldn't learn how to be in the moment more than you are in the moment if you could. You could it's impossible. Yeah? What you are is the moment. <laughs> what you're not... Does he, do you think what you're not can mimic and be close to by mimicking what is? Nothing to it is it's made into something. Selfing makes everything into something. Nothing is so nothing it can't be turned into anything. That's why it's the gift that keeps on giving. Everything and all can come out of nothing. It's not quantified. There's not like five quarts of nothing and then eight quarts of nothing. There's nothing. Yeah? Absolutely nothing. Which to me is the mother and father of everything. See, when your head tries to rest in it, it's already rested. What you are is already rested. We always think that we've got to prepare to go to rest. It's rested already. If you could give up the ghost about you as a doer, then it would already be done. If we could give up the ghost that we're the doer, then what we want to do ourselves into would already be seen to be done. Yeah. Like before I even sit down, there it is. It's like a gunslinger. You can never outdraw it. It's because it's already there. You know what I mean? You can't beat it to the draw because it's already the gun's already pulled. Ping. <laughs> I don't know, do you feel it right now in that room? Change a little different, doesn't it? Exactly, that's what it is. It's calling us to attention. It's showing itself in all of its incredible, its most lovely garb, which is nothing. It's easy to see things. But it's a little more difficult to really recognize nothing. And it's like its most beautiful garb, it's just opening itself up, and you come to meetings and you sense it. And then you walk out as if it, it somehow you had something to do with it. <laughs>
You did, really. So there was an old master, Zen master, called Hoang Po. He said, you can't use mind to seek mind. Yeah. You can't use the Buddha to seek Buddha. You will do it for eons and nothing will happen. Yeah. You can't see, you can't use light to find light. <laughs> you can't use activity to arrive at stillness because that would be a form of activity. <laughs> Basically, you can't do much. <laughs> I'm messed up to entertain that you can't do much. <laughs> Everywhere you turn, you know. Hey, are you seeking the truth? Hey, <clears throat> stop seeking the truth. Just give up your, stop cherishing your own opinions. What? <laughs> I much rather, my opinion is I much rather look for the truth. Exactly. <laughs> it's not, it's not, <laughs> it's in the format of mind, you know. The mind has split into sort of two-ness. And right in this condition, it's subject-object. Yeah? This, I'm the subject in my life, and everything is an object to me. Yeah? That subject-object expands into duality. So things to be... There seems to be, like, in this huge system, it's like, it's like a... You know, it's either one or two, either or, yes or no, hot or cold, <laughs> you know what I mean? With degrees, but basically ding, 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 yeah. <clears throat> mirroring or reflecting or reverberating the first subject object, yeah? So how are you going to take two-ness and squeeze it into oneness? How are you, yeah, as the representative of two-ness to squeeze into oneness? You won't fit. Because you'll make oneness an object that you're going to get. Yeah? That's two-ness. <laughs> or an enlightenment I'm going to receive, that's two-ness. The point is, is the question two-ness. If it's not two, that's that. You can bypass the imaginary opposite of that, which is one, and just go back to where you never left. Just like if we were on a game board of life, and let's say the feeling of being feeling like you right now, that vague sense of you, that you're the one who was here and you're the one that's going to be here. All right? That feeling of being you, that usually rooted in the chooser, the doer, and stuff like that. So you have that feeling. Yes? I have this feeling. Now, that feeling presupposes that I'm on like square four. Yeah? Because this feeling was produced by a mental process. It wasn't being produced when you were a baby. So you were close to the square zero, or you were actually at square zero then. But the mental process developed this, this self-thing, and then it caused the mind to take itself to be that which is being represented. So now it feels that, and that's square four. And so let's say someone, let's say a spiritual safe drops on your head. You have a spiritual experience at square four, and what do you get whacked back to? Square zero, yeah? And then, okay, now let's say you're at square ten. You've just had three relationships break up, you're totally destitute, and then there's a giving up the ghost and another spiritual safe drops in, and what happens? You wake up into square zero again. 
Okay, now you're getting really ill, cancer, you're getting old to the point of dying, you seem to be destitute, you're at square 23, something happens, a spiritual safe drops on your head, and you whack up, and where do you wake up into? In square zero. Now, after a while, you have to realize there's only square zero. Yeah? The square four, the square twelve, the square twenty-three were mental appearances. Yeah? When you came out of the mental appearance, where did you, where did you seem to go back to? Square zero. Now, if you just linger there, you realize you never left square zero. Yeah? You never left square zero. You and I never left square zero. The mental process is saying we're at square, we started at square four. Yeah? But for it to even have that say, square zero must be square zero. Because this is the light that, this is the light that illuminates everything. Yeah? At any time, there's a sense, just like any time you have a pause, it isn't like this pause that you felt, let's say, in 1993, had the same quality as the one you felt in 2011. It's not of time, <laughs> and it's not of circumstances. It has a timeless atmosphere, a timeless quality. That's square zero. Life all the time is, is inviting us, at many points during the, quote, the game board run of square 28, third square 30, just to take a moment, and then you just sense the square zero-ness of it all, which is the great equalizer. It's the great leavener. It allows you to travel lighter over situations. It doesn't say it's going to change the situations. It doesn't need to. The situations will change in and of themselves, but you will travel lighter over the situations. And what more do you want? What more do you want than that? If there is a feeling of traveling here, if there is a feeling that we're passing through many, many events on a vehicle called time, that would be a pretty a good description of what's going on. It's a form of traveling, yes? And if this place, which is dualistic, has us that traveling can be either heavy or light, why wouldn't you like to fall on the light side? Yeah. yeah. So first, let's recognize what seems to be the cause of the heaviness. And if we're not that cause, if we're not that cause, if we're not that cause, we take ourselves to be the cause because we're identified as it, but if we're not that cause, we can be free from living its effects, yes? We can be free from living its effects. Then why not question that? Why not question the center of the system that seems to be what's giving everything all the meaning it has in your life. That system of self-centeredness. Instead of going over every meaning that it gives, go to the meaning giver. All the, all the meaning is coming through a lens called selfing. Let's question if we're that lens. Yeah, The movement is selfing, but the lens is self. Are we that, that lens of self? If we're not, then the camera can be moved. Yeah? It's still the undifferentiated light, but it will differentiate differently. Where you used to see threat, you won't see threat. Where you see a future full of possibilities that would be very, very negative, you don't see the future anymore. The, the sense of nowness overrides all that mental, you know, fucking shenanigans. Yeah? 
You don't need to get rooted because you're already rooted. You don't need to get into the moment because you can't be out of the moment. You don't need to get out of self because you can't be in a self. <clears throat> everything, and I mean everything, seems to be so here. It appears to be true or false to us. So if nothing has an inherent quality except what I give it, then, then I would look at that which is giving it all the qualities. <laughs> just, it just makes sense to me, you know. <laughs> if that would shift, maybe everything would shift. And then you would know the tree by its fruit. You would see that that's the first knot because its effect of loosening up affects everything else to loosen up. Where all the other knots, you try to loosen them up, it never affects the first knot, yeah? This is just good news to me. I never get tired of hearing good news. Like the gospel, never. Just did all those talks in Toronto. I'm still just as excited as when I first heard about this. From the first time that thing hit me and I had an unspoken yes, it's, it's always been so. It just rings so fucking true that I, there's absolutely no way to deny it. I may not seem to manifest it because that doesn't matter, you know, in a sense. That's like a byproduct. If the manifestation gets better, great. But the mind has found a place to rest. And, uns- and the last answer, an unspoken yes, where it can find peace and repose. Yeah? Where it can be contented and to enjoy the peace of its own mind. Yeah? I don't need more days just to make this day good. This day was just more than enough. Yeah, because consciousness was active here. Manifestation was occurring. Can you imagine walking down a thing? The only reason why you're walking there is because your car got flooded by someone forgetting to tell you that <laughs> whatever. And the only reason I'm walking there, and then I get a two double a double rainbow movie. You know? It's fucking unbelievable. You just like I know I never walk from this meeting to this place, and I did because my car was there, and then, not just one rainbow, but a double rainbow. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> that doesn't provoke honor. It was just like, yeah. and so it was sort of like, I had this move to get to the car. I said, no, I think I'm going to interrupt that, and I just sat on the bench, and I just waited for it to change, which it invariably does, so then it lost a little bit of its rainbow, and then the double one came up, you know? And I watched the whole thing. I like the birth and death of a rainbow. Just in like a 40-minute section of a day of any other day. But I had this lovely gazing, you know. It's like... Very good. If you're driven by the obsession with mind, you won't stop for things. Even when things are, in their lovely way, are demanding your attention, you withhold it. You say, I don't have time for that. Yes? But isn't that what is life? All those lovely demands life gives you. Hey, look at this beautiful thing. I don't have time for that. I've got to get somewhere. Or, you know, hey, maybe you should take a break. And then suddenly you move this way and you see a giant hawk go by or something. You know, it's like, yeah. You know. To be able to sort of be, be driven by that, you know, that intuitiveness or that wind. So much different than when you're being driven by a self-centered wind, you know? That fucking anxious drive to get where? 
how many times have I arrived at what I thought was my arrival point? And how many times did I take off from that? How many fairy princesses have I had? Seven or eight? How many saviors did I meet? And how many of them saved me? Yeah. I'm always busy trying to get somewhere, but not very rarely attending to where I am, you know? And I think actually they're the same place. <laughs> you can save yourself a whole lot of time that you realize this is the place I want to get, it, but I'd much rather recognize I'm there already. It's much faster, I think, you know? So. There you go. Any questions today? I was reading some Ramana Maharshi when he was talking about, you know, studying the thought eye, the, the self-centered eye. So the, the more one looks at it, you know, and understands it, that's all one has to do because the truth does the rest and the self appears. You know, like the truth does all the work. Yeah, yeah. That just blew my mind, you know. Yeah, well, he would say everything comes from, he used the word self, the large self, meaning, I don't know what, you know, everything. So he said, everything comes from that. All there is is self and the large thing. So take this thing you're keenly interested in and follow it back. <laughs> you know, follow the self thing back. And it's sort of like tying a tail, uh, like a, a string to a mouse's tail. It'll bring you back to its little hole. Yeah. So he would say, follow the selfing, selfing, and then. But when you do land, or sense that presence, don't keep asking, "Who am I?" Just, just like honor that that is what I am, and then rest there. It's not always a constant activity of self-inquiry. It has a point, and one of the points it has is when to stop. You know, when you arrive at the destination, you don't need to keep asking. So then your mind gets used to having that feeling, so it can remember that. Yeah? While it's busily remembering the self, it may motivate it to quickly forget the self. And then by, by just using the remembering to negate the forgetting, then it is. You don't need to remember it. You may need to remember it when you need to forget self, yeah? because you're busily remembering self, so you want to counteract it with a remembering that, like you know, an understanding or... A, you know what I mean, or a message. But once the the that remembering self is negated, there's no remembering what you are. There's just being what you are. Yeah. To remember what you're not, what you are, would be part of what you're not. Yeah. You can use remembering. All right, I'm going to remember what I heard at that meeting, and to negate your constant remembrance of the self. But once the self is forgotten, there's no need to remember what you are. Yeah. The only time you need to remember what you are when you're really up the ass of what you're not. And then as soon as you get taken out of that ass and you hear that pop, you don't have to remember who you are because you are that. Yeah? You put that down. You don't need an understanding at that point. You need to go no you don't need to go back to a book or to go to a quotation. You just rest in it in and of itself, just as it is, yeah. It's much more reliable. Even though they're, they're lovely authorities, authority other than you will fail you sooner or later. Yeah, You won't be able to reach that book quick enough, or you'll forget that quotation, or you'll lost the schedule for the meetings. But if you are that authority, not the selfing, but you, 
then wherever you are, that is, you can rely on that, yeah? Like an unspoken yes. Not in someone else's gut, in your gut, yeah? It's nice to sit with people in certainty of it, but it's really wonderful when that your own mind gets the certainty that was being implied by the other person, yeah? Yeah, so...